Welcome everyone to another episode of the Embodied Mommy podcast. So excited for today's topic. We are talking about something totally different than what we've covered on any other episode so far, which is really about conscious parenting, respectful parenting, and some really key principles that we can bring in to our motherhood journey starting right at birth. I feel like normally we don't really think about this stuff or talk about it until our kids start acting, right? Acting out. Oh, how do we deal with tantrums? How do we deal with this? How do we deal with that? So I love that we're being proactive right now and learning ways and things that we can implement from the very beginning. So I'm here, of course, with none other than Jamie Rose Gray, my co-host for the season. Hello, Jamie. Back. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then Ayasha Nayar here, um, who's actually my parenting coach. I'm in Aisha's group. She has a fabulous group and has done several presentations for some of my private groups as well. And I'm so excited for her to be joining us today. And it's actually, I have to say, initially, Jamie and I were asking uh, you to come on, right, to talk about how do we go from one child to two children? What are some things we can do to help prepare the second child? So if that's what you're interested in as a listener, know that that's coming up in the next season. (laughs) But today we're talking about something, I think just even juicier, right? Which is how do we really connect with our children from the very beginning in this way? So Aisha, you want to just come on and introduce yourself? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Alyssa and Jamie. It's really such a pleasure and such an honor to to be here and be chatting to you about, yeah, one of my obviously favorite topics, which is respectful parenting and starting it from birth. Yeah, it's something that is, I guess, quite revolutionary and um, very different for for a lot of parents because the, the kind of narrative that we see and that we are given and fed through you know well through family through friends through media through just like society etc is that you know babies they're just ah they just don't do very much and we need to kind of do everything for them and entertain them and like um like obviously provide and stuff but there's there's um like quite well I feel I don't know I might be wrong but I feel like there's very little focus on actually the child himself or herself so yeah today I'm very excited to chat to you both about um, about this starting respectful gentle positive and mindful parenting right from birth excellent excellent all right Jamie do you have any questions off the bat I'm just so excited because this one you're British and I just love British people all my listeners and my people know I only watch British television I just um I my my heart and soul's over there so thank you for being on that level too but um I help and work with star children coming in um and also I feel like this is really going to help to like obviously parents in any situation of where they are but I'm trying to really help the stay-at-home solopreneur too, like the person that's also running their business at home. It's just my area, it's my field, and it's what I'm helping with. And I think when you're home with your kids all day, it obviously has a very different energy from when you're not with your kids all day and then you are with your kids all day. So, you know, kind of coming at it from, I know our listeners are in both of those camps and many other camps. So I'm excited 
to see what, what we can explore there, you know, and the idea of time, um, but also like how we are evolving and growing as families in our homes on consciousness levels, I think are going to be some of the biggest topics over the next decade, if not two, three, four, five decades. So yeah, that wasn't a question. That was just, I'm throwing my excitement into the pot. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I love it. So Aisha, can you tell us a little bit about, I know you mentioned it was like kind of similar to Montessori, but a little different. So there was like a little background, I think in maybe the theory or where some of this ideology comes from. Yeah, of course. So um, mostly what I'm going to be talking about today is the RIE method, which is R-I-E, which stands for respect, um, respectful infants, sorry, oh my God, <laughs> resources for infant educators. And it was a kind of philosophy or a method created by a Hungarian uh, lady called Magda Gerber. And uh, the story for how, how she started it is quite interesting because she lived in Hungary at the start of the previous century. And I'm, I don't know, you might have heard about Emmy of Emmy Pickler. Everybody kind of has these Pickler triangles now, which are very popular in many like homes, sort of a gross motor um, resource. But anyway, so Magda Gerber's daughter got sick and Emmy Pickler was like the pediatrician uh, that a friend recommended to her and she came to in those days so like she said you know they would doctors would do home visits and she opened the door and Magda started telling her like what was wrong with her daughter and she almost and Emmy Pickler just kind of put her hand up and stopped Magda from speaking and directed her complete focus and questions and everything to her daughter and she was asking her daughter how are you feeling what's hurting you etc and it kind of blew Magda Gerber's minds and said, wow, this is so, you know, she really kind of put that um, respect into that, you know, give, get, gave that respect to that child and asking her about her rather than asking, you know, someone else about her. So then off the back of that, obviously, they built a relationship. They started working together. They were working in um, uh, orphanage in Hungary. And then Magda Gerber brought this philosophy into the United States where she set up this um, uh, center, resources for infants and educators, and and from there it kind of uh, grew, and it's it's now there are several um, places where you can attend classes, baby classes, etc., that are based on on this philosophy, um, and it is about caring for children, for babies. It talks that she talks mostly about babies up to the up until the age of two, but as we all know, you know, this philosophy, the relationships that we build with our children don't just end when they're two. So everything is transferable to your older child. Everything can be, you know, adapted. Like I actually first came across this, um, first came across Rye when I was teaching and I was teaching three, four and five-year-olds. So I didn't even have children of my own. And so like, you know, even though it's kind of designed for babies, I started implementing some of the philosophies and and kind of um, responses in my classroom and, you know, the way that I was communicating with the children in my classroom who are much older than, you know, than the Rye kind of framework covers. And it was still, you know, it was exceptional. It was just absolutely amazing how 
they responded so well to that, to that kind of respect, to that trust, to basically treating them like human beings, you know, like full human beings. Yes, they are still developing. Yes, they are still growing. Yes, they, you know, their brains are, you know, developing and they're slightly different than our adult ones. Their physical development is different, but they are, you know, they're still full human beings and treating them as that right from birth kind of builds that strong relationship. And Rye, it's based on forming an attachment, forming a secure attachment with a caregiver, you know, it can be a parent or a caregiver, and building and engaging in a respectful relationship right from birth. <laughs> so that's kind of the background of, you know, where obviously you can find a lot more information, but that's just a very, very short, shortened version of, <laughs> of, of where, where it comes from and how I came across it as well. And I kind of just fell in love with it. I just like read all the books and, <laughs> and then when I had my own children, obviously tried to um, really implement everything that I, that I learned and that kind of, that felt good. And I think the beauty of well rye and montessori and any you know attachment and like these respectful and gentle parenting um methods is that it just feels so natural you know it feels natural to love your child it feels natural to respect your child it feels natural to listen to them so you don't kind of need to really remember and learn some like i don't know crazy like extra things it's just following your heart and following your gut and kind of responding to your child when they need you so yeah that's kind of the well, it's so beautiful like I almost wanted to cry when you just said that <laughs> like, I just, like got teary <laughs> can you explain why two and under is so important in this development phase or in this process yeah, so basically children form these attachments in the early stages of their life. So the first three years, you know, that's when the most uh, brain development happened. It's something like absolutely insane. It's like trillions of neurons a second <laughs> that are like making connections. So it kind of sometimes I feel like oh my gosh that is so much pressure you know like oh we've got this baby and we've got three years to like shape their brain and shape their um, personality etc which it's not <laughs> you know we there's always time and actually research now shows that even in adults even in adults the brain can constantly be changing and um, I've forgotten what it's actually called I'm sorry but um, neuroplasticity <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly mm -hmm. exactly um, but yeah, the, the first years, the formative years, which are called that for a reason, it's just, they're so crucial for, I guess, building those patterns. So in terms of development, you know, what a child experiences and Montessori again, you know, she was, she was huge on this, like the experiences that the things that the child experiences, they don't just kind of you know, they have this absorbent mind at that age. She kind of talks about noughts to six where they are, they're just absorbing everything that surrounds them. You know, the interactions between people, the environment, just language, you know, everything that you possibly could imagine. Their brains are just like working so hard. So 
um, when you have your, when you're going into that phase with your newborn baby uh, and kind of, I guess, like creating a sort of blueprint for how they are going to be able to cope with different emotions later in life. How are they going to be able to make relationships with other people, you know, sorry, with other people later in the future? All of that, all of that kind of stems from their experiences in early childhood. Um, and it's, yeah, it's sort of not things that they remember. It's things that, that are just wired, hardwired into them. It's things that, that, are, that are part of them. Um, you know, they learn all that unconsciously. I once heard a really cool analogy of how, um, I don't want to mess it up, but it's like the difference, you know, if you imagine an adult brain is like a flashlight, so you switch it on and it's like very, very focused. You know, we like want to learn, we decide to, I don't know, learn a new language or learn a sport or whatever. And it's just focused on that. Whilst a child's brain is like a lamp. It just like takes everything in that surrounds it and, and absorbs everything. So uh, yeah, sort of having that in mind, you know, realizing that even though, on the face of it you might look at a little baby and oh they're just like lying there they don't say very much or you know very very early newborn phases they don't, you don't even smile at you so sometimes people get a little bit discouraged like what are, you know how am I supposed to build that connection but having that in mind that you know how important these first years are and how much how much we can kind of start you know treating them with respect so that they so that they grow up feeling that and knowing what it's like to be respected to be treated like you know a human being to be um to be included in the life of the family yeah yeah that's so powerful so thinking about this period of time that Jamie and I are really zoned in we have our flashlight right that flashlight's on the fourth trimester <laughs> i love that analogy some of us are better at shining that flashlight than others, you know, but um, so with that being said, first of all, we would love to hear about your fourth trimester. Now you have three children, so I'll let you talk about your kids, but what was your experience like in that fourth trimester? You know, were there any surprises for you? Even somebody who's obviously worked with children and have some training in this stuff, we would love to hear what that was like for you. And obviously you've gone through that twice, so feel free to to share whatever, you know, whatever's coming up for you right now. Yeah. So I think both of them are very, very different. So I, ha I have a daughter who is five now and twin boys who are three. And uh, yeah, when my daughter was born, I guess, you know, the first child is, it just always throws you. You just can't expect it. You just don't know. <laughs> You just don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how you're going to feel, how how anything is going to feel. And like I said already, you know, I was like so inspired and kind of by Rye and, and reading about it that I really wanted to to follow that philosophy. But I think I well, I know I just I got up, I got very, very, very caught up in the details in the books and and kind of forgot to forgot that well I guess maybe not forgot I just didn't know I was a new mom I didn't have that experience 
But when my baby was not doing what the book said, <laughs> I would get very stressed and, you know, feel like I was failing her, like I was failing myself, like I was doing something wrong. There was something wrong with me. There was something wrong with her. And, and that went on for quite a while until, and I can't even remember like who it was. It was just like a random post on a Facebook group somewhere where, yeah, like a parent just like almost allowed uh, pa other parents, it was another parent who had a similar issue. And it was someone who just like a comment that kind of felt like it was allowing us to just, you know, we can do it our way. We can read all the books. We can, you know, learn whatever we want to learn whatever inspires us whatever we feel like drawn to but at the end of the day you know I'm a different person than everybody else my daughter is a different person than everybody else the relationship that we have is different than anyone else and we can we can take the things that work we can take the things that that we love from any philosophy if it's right if it's Montessori if it's attachment if it's like whatever it is gentle parenting, respect for it. We can take the things that we love, the things that work for us, and we can leave the ones that don't because, you know, we don't have to, it's not like, a, it's not a manual, it's not a handbook, it's more like a guide. It's kind of opening your eyes to uh, a different way of treating babies and respecting them and communicating them. Um, and once your eyes are open, it kind of just, like I said earlier, you know, it flows naturally, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, if, if you feel like, oh, it's not, you know, not my baby's not doing the thing that the book said, don't worry about it because they're, they're not supposed to. <laughs> they're supposed to do their own thing. And I guess trusting your instincts as well. And I think even Magda Gerber says that, you know, it's about trusting your baby, but it's trusting yourself as a parent. You know, we've got so many instincts that are kind of in us. And I know that nowadays, which, you know, it's amazing that there's so much information that we can access, but, but I, I guess sometimes we lose sight of what we really feel and we, we want to do things the way that everyone else is doing online and like on social media or people are telling us, but we just really need to listen to ourselves. And if, you know, if we're connected to our babies, if our babies feel securely attached to us, then doesn't really matter you know where you sit for dinner or how many walks you did or what toys you've got or like just you know so yeah so it was just I guess learning all of that and realizing that um and then with the twins actually like it was it was different because obviously there was two of them and and I had a toddler I had a two-year-old toddler so they and I and I I honestly don't know I don't know if it was because there were two of them I don't know if it's because I just had to do other things and sometimes you know leave them in a safe kind of place but yeah my daughter you know she always needed me to be close and I always was because I could be so that's just, you know, how it was and whether she was playing happily, whether she, you know, we were together doing something, caregiving activities, changing, bathing, dressing, etc. She just always wanted me to be close. And that was one of the things actually I was like, people was talking about their babies, like playing independently for, for an hour. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with my baby? Why isn't she playing without me? But she just wasn't, that was her. She needed me to be close. And, and I think once I released that pressure to 
that oh she should be playing independently it was it was so much easier because I just responded to her whilst the twins were actually really happy and again like I said I don't know maybe it was because there were two of them and they could always hear each other feel each other see each other you know so I could leave them under a mobile for 30 minutes or so and and you know obviously watch them but but they they were much happier kind of having that time away from from me physically um than my daughter was and yeah that was a bit of a crazy ride <laughs> I actually don't remember very much I have to be honest from the fourth trimester with the twins um I do remember that you know obviously I was trying to do like everything that I was doing with her like giving them lots of attention and forming this attachment and respecting them and communicating with them etc but um but yeah it was it was hard I think I also struggled with postpartum rage which I didn't even know was a thing and it took me a while to realize that this the feelings that I'm feeling are not normal I shouldn't be feeling like this and I think it was about four or five months after they were born when I realized that I, I think I need help. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I reached out and I and I and I got help. And, it, you know, it didn't it didn't take long, I guess, to I don't want to say get over it, but just to to come to terms with it and sort of feel at peace with the feelings that I was having. Um, but once I did, you know, once I realized that, because I was just going, you know, through the motions, feeding, like changing two babies, waking up every hour of the night. And I just kind of forgot about myself a little bit. Um, so realizing that and and speaking to somebody was was such a huge, um, huge step, which I kind of wish that I did it earlier. But obviously, you know, I just wasn't really aware of it. So. Um, and there was a lot of things as other things as well when you when it is your second child or you know second and third you kind of and this is again something that I felt this was from Janet Lansbury Janet Lansbury is a is a Rye associate and she is amazing like if you don't know or haven't heard of her check out she's got a podcast blog etc but I remember feeling that kind of guilt for I, and I remember saying to my mom, actually, even I was like, I don't even like them. You know, I was so mad at them for whatever reason, you know, waking up like sleep deprived, but also for changing the relationship that I had with my daughter, with my first. And this was something that, again, when I heard her, her saying this, I actually just like cried from relief because she sort of, again, allowed me. She was like, it's OK to grieve the relationship that you had you know it's different for for your child and we kind of always fo focus on the toddler how different it's going to be for them and we want to make sure that they adapt etc but we forgot about ourselves you know how we spent two or three or four years just with that one child you know our, our first baby and then suddenly the, another one comes along and takes our time away from them so so again that was just such a huge um weight lifted off when I realized that first of all, like that was what I was feeling. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm feeling. I'm like grieving for the lost relationship. But then once I allowed those feelings, then I was able to kind of move on and realize what was going on. And then, yeah, 
it felt better. From <laughs> so. Wow. I think my neck is going to hurt from nodding so much during <laughs> you just talking right there because, oh my God, thank you so much for bringing all of that up. Especially because like Jamie and I have talked about before and we've had many conversations you know, in other places too, about grieving your life after having your first child, right? And really, you know, grieving, letting go of that part of you, how that's changed. But it's true. I've never even heard of that before or really put that together before that we also have to grieve the, the that change, right? From having one child to multiple. And I know we could probably go really off in talking about that topic too, because there's so much there. But I think that's so, so key. And also thank you for talking about the postpartum rage that you experienced, because that is also so common, so common. And what comes with rage? Guilt, right? And how bad you feel for for all of that anger and all of that stuff coming up. So I'm so, so glad that you brought that up. And we actually, we do have a therapist who's going to be coming on in a couple of weeks uh, for another episode to talk about all this. So thank you for bringing that up. And I look forward to bringing that more into that conversation too, because I'm sure other moms are feeling that whether they felt it in the fourth trimester or at any point after, right. That's really, really huge. Wow. Thank you. And so in terms of kind of coming back to using this approach and beginning with this approach at such an early age, what are some curious, like, what are some of the behaviors or things as parents that maybe are doing that are out of alignment with this concept of, I always use the term conscious parenting. So I'll just use that right now um, away from, you know, like that conscious parenting um, and, you know, what are some behaviors that we want to kind of replace that with? Like, what are some of these things or, or ways that we can incorporate that are trusting our children that are respecting our children and, and learning more than kind of going through the motions yeah so I guess I would maybe start with something that um all parents do which is the caregiving activities and Magda Gerber talks them about talks about them as spending turning them into quality time that you spend with your child so usually you know we we feel like oh, come on, let's quickly get your nappy changed. And we just want to get over it, get it done as quickly as we can so that we can then move on to doing something else, whatever it is. And same with maybe giving a bath or getting them dressed or uh, feeding as well. Like, oh, come on, let's like quickly eat that. Well, let's quickly get you dressed, etc. So she encourages and invites parents to kind of completely flip that and rather than thinking of it as something that you need to get through, mm. think of it as an activity in itself. Because with a newborn baby, you know, you're feeding hours, <laughs> hours and hours and hours during the day. You're changing them probably, I don't know, 15, 20 times in the day. Clothes, it depends, like some days two or three, some days none, but bathing, all of those caregiving activities can be can be seen as quality time that you're spending with your baby. So really slowing down and trying not to see it as like getting to an end result, but just being in the moment with your baby and taking the time, you know, when they're lying on the changing table, if it's a tiny little baby, 
just being being gentle and she I really love this sort of expression or the what she Magda Gerber talks about that like our hands are our newborn baby's first experience of the world so if we're just like you know lifting them up and moving them around and like putting things on them and like dressing them and pushing them around etc that's the that's their experience so if we think of that as you know we want to sorry that's my my daughter be um our hands you know that are their experience of the world so being slow being gentle being mindful of you know how we're picking them up how we're putting that nappy on how we're how we're dressing them and communicating with them and at first it feels a little bit strange I'm really sorry I'll just pause for a second this is so great to hear while she's on pause just because uh we've been just I've been instinctively doing this with Goldie and it is also funny to see we have the time freedom for this like I work from home and Jamie comes home throughout the day we both have a very unique situation where we both run our own businesses so he's home but even with that even though we have the time freedom me and my husband are so different with that you know so like let's say with me with feeding Goldie I'll put her in the chair and I'll leave her there for 45 minutes I'm like eat your three-course meal take your time. You be you. I'm going to eat. I don't try to interrupt it. We communicate with each other. If she wants more, sometimes she has three courses. Now it's insane. Like while we're, but it's like, what's the rush to get her out of the safe chair that she's entertained in? Like, where are we going? But my husband, even though we have this time, he'll like want to wipe her hand in between each thing. I don't know. He'll want to organize her thing and put the food back in the bowl. I'm like, let her live let her live. So it's just funny to see, like, to hear you talk about this and be like, okay, yeah, look at the personality types. Like, are we trying to interrupt? Are we, you know, like, are we trying to control the situation? You know what I mean? Are we just letting them go? So it, I just love hearing this. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah. So exactly. Just, and, and I think, I think this is one of the reasons, like some people find it very, very strange and very, you know, it's, it's just not what we're used to. Our adult life is just so fast paced, like rushing with everything. So it kind of, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's nice to, to respond to that slow, <laughs> slow that babies are, you know, newborn babies and kind of be in that moment with them. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, and I, I was, I was saying communicating, communicating with them as well at first it feels a little bit strange or it might feel a bit strange but it's just such a beautiful thing to to kind of start within within your relationship and if you think about you know the future you know when you're if if you make it a habit if it becomes natural and yeah it does feel a bit weird at first when you're just talking to your baby your newborn baby that's lying there and you're telling them like oh I'm gonna take your nappy off now and I'm going to wipe you and now we'll put this one back on but if you get into the habit of that then you know in the toddler years when you need to leave the playground you're telling your child about it and you know you're informing them so then they find it less stressful when you suddenly have to like go and change and then when they are older you know you involve them in communicating when they're a teen it'll come back because then they'll communicate with you. So starting that communication 
right right from birth is is again one of the core principles and it is so important and just I guess having that as part of your relationship so knowing that this communication is is always going to be there and with babies you know it waiting and giving them time to respond and at first it's going to be obviously non-verbal and it takes a while you know they need time to process and they need time to learn but they are absorbing everything <laughs> so if you're talking to them about it if you're you know they're learning that language and specifically sort of I know that Rai and a lot of people I guess hear about that like when you're telling your baby let's say before you pick them up and that's again it kind of comes back to the hands you know imagine if you're just like sitting there doing something and then this giant just like comes and swoops you up is just a bit of a shock like whoa where, where are we going but just letting them know um, that I'm going to pick you up now or I'm going to lay you down here and and if you do this regularly and so obviously with my daughter with my first I was kind of doing it but because I was new like you know every everything was new so there were things that I just didn't always notice but I did with the twins that that they they eventually kind of let you know so when I would say I would like you know come over them sort of with my with my hands and with my face and tell them I'm going to pick you up now they would start like by you know raising their little heads or when they were a bit more mobile they would kind of reach out with their hands so they they tell you <laughs> they're communicating with you um so again, yeah, starting that from very early on and it just, it becomes more natural and then it just, and then it is natural that you're just talking to your child about things that are going on and especially things that are relevant to them. So, you know, I'm going to pick you up and put you in the pushchair now. I'm going to, you know, we're going to have dinner now or we're going to have a feed now and and just involving them in it and, and, and building that relationship of open communication and I guess so yeah just remembering that that to give them a little bit of time that it, it will you know it does go both ways and young babies they can't talk but they will communicate and they have ways of communicating so kind of being open to that and and there's actually that leads in very nicely to the third point which is observation <laughs> observing them and watching them and seeing you know how how they respond to different things and kind of just making making note and noticing and I you know when I say observation I don't sort of mean like sit there with a clipboard you know while your baby's playing on the floor or something but just just noticing things and I think it's so beautiful because again that whole concept of slowing down and and yeah like I said with my first daughter I, I noticed I definitely noticed lots of things um, maybe different things and with the twins I noticed different things it's just so beautiful to remember you know like oh yeah like I you know example that I just gave you when when they were responding to me saying that and um, and then when you watch them you know playing and you can like sometimes really see day by day the movements that they're doing and you can see that like one day they might just be um, flicking their hips round and then the next day they'll like touch the floor with the opposite foot and then you know in a couple of weeks they'll be rolling but you just like when you're mindful of that and when you notice you just notice those tiny tiny details that that um 
that are just really, really nice. So observing it, communicating, observing, and just observing them discover the world as well. I don't know. I, I know a lot of people kind of feel that babies are pretty boring because they don't do very much. They just lie there. But I actually love observing babies. I could watch them all day long, just, you know, watch them watching a leaf or a stream of light coming in through the window or, you know, a mobile or watching their hands sometimes. It's just so incredible. And you're, you know, you're looking at them and you're thinking, your brain is just firing. <laughs> it's just right. on over overdrive. So just giving that time as well to... So you've got your caregiving activities, which can be turned into like a, you know, beautiful quality time together. And then you can have time, you know, play, play time. And for young babies, the simpler, the better, you know, they don't really don't need very much. And if, if anything at all, really, because um, if you observe a young baby, they are discovering their body and you know if they've got like a huge like I don't know play gym with thousands of rattles and lights and things going off like they can't it's so distracting whilst if you observe a baby just naturally in their natural environment and for the twins I sort of like curated a little space they had just like a little mat with my daughter, I used to just spend hours just on our bed, you know, we'd wake up in the morning and we'd just lie in bed and she would be on her back and yeah, like finding her hand, finding her foot, just discovering her body. And I was so just sit there observing her. So you don't even have to have like a special, like it's lovely to have a special um, place. And in Montessori, we call it a movement area for babies. And it's wonderful if you've got the space and it's wonderful if you can have it. But yeah, you don't you don't need it. Like I remember just her before, obviously before she could roll, she'd be on the bed, she'd just be on the sofa next to me, or sometimes even on the table, you know, just um, wherever, and and giving them that freedom. And that's again leads into the the next <laughs> lovely concept of um, the freedom to develop naturally and gross, especially gross motor development, which is yeah, rye and. Emmy Pickler's work was like huge on this and, and Montessori also aligns with with that as an allowing children to develop um, the skills that they need at the time that they're able to rather than trying to rush into it or rush through it so um, for example uh, yeah even like rolling you know just letting them letting them do it in their own time and all babies will will do it and if you observe then you'll see how much work goes into it and how much they're doing to to get to that um you know that that particular movement or whatever it is i think there was um an olympic athlete and i don't i'm really sorry i can't remember his or her name but they copied the exact movements of a six month old baby. So they were like watching a six month old, old baby. And this athlete was like copying the baby's movements. And after 25 minutes, couldn't do it anymore. So that just shows you how 
busy and how much babies actually do um and that's it like if if you take the time to observe you know then I feel like for me personally it kind of calmed quite a lot of worries and especially you know we try not to compare but my daughter was standing at six months and walking at nine my twins weren't even sitting at 10 months so obviously I was like oh my gosh you know what why are they so different what's going on but when I kind of calmed my mind down I was like okay stop worrying and really observed them I saw that you know, okay, they weren't sitting yet, but they were working so hard towards it. And, you know, having that freedom of being, um, like having the freedom of movement. So not, you know, not in a chair, not in like a walker or a, a seat or a pushchair or like kind of not strapped into anything, any device, but giving them the freedom to move their bodies. You can see, or I could see that, okay, they are, they're like, so, you know, they're doing this movement today and they're working on this movement today. So through observing and allowing that freedom of movement, movement, for me at least, you know, it calms like any kind of worries and uh, that, oh, why is my child not doing this yet? And then I would watch them and be like, oh, okay, they're working towards it. They're working really hard on that. So. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show too, that no matter how much you know about all this stuff, right? It's so easy for any of us to slip into that comparison, to that judgment of ourselves, to that almost judgment of our children too. Like, oh, is this wrong? And and I just have to say, what a concept, right? What an what a like what an idea to just not have or like a fraction of these toys and play gyms and play things and swings. And and I mean, I'm sure there's a time and a place for all of it. Right. I mean, we all have to get things done and it's nice to have a place to just sit your child down so that you can go like, you know, to the bathroom or like drink a glass of water, you know, these just little necessity things. But again, to like, think about how, how, like you said, they're going to develop on their own. They're going to do what they need to do naturally if we can be more patient with the process, more present for the process. I know, I mean, there was such a huge difference between my kids from Eddie to Charlie in the four years difference and and just how I was so different and how I approached those early years. And, you know, with Charlie, with all that awareness, who's, you know, obviously my youngest, you know, just using all of that time, talking to him about, his body or what we're seeing or what the sound is and talking about what we're eating and describing it and and looking at books and talking about what's in it. And even just, you know, I would try, I did this with both kids too, just almost like talking out loud around them, just almost narrating, like narrating my day and what I was doing just so that they could hear my voice and hear the language. And I think it's, it's this is one of those gifts that we have as parents and caregivers. We have the gift of spending the time with these fresh new little beings and taking a lesson from from their book, right? And actually like pausing and slowing down and like, wow, how crazy is it that we have these hands that do these things and the oh my god, the light and you know, like it's, it's, it's really magical. I mean, it's absolutely magical, like that time. So I love the idea of, of integrating that. And I also just want to echo something that, that Jamie had just shared about how you and, and your husband 
feed the baby so differently. I, I completely relate on so many levels. Bill and I do things so differently <laughs> with the kids. Just the concept of like, this is a chore. This is something that has to get done. This is something that we have to rush through. Hurry up. When is it going to be done? Not that I don't fall into that trap too. Of course I do. Right. But you know, like how powerful that lesson is of just like, instead of treating everything that you're doing with your child as something that needs to get done versus just going with the flow of that behavior and And time um, you're spending together, basically. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think just that shift in mindset alone is enough to bring more joy and enjoyment to parenting than feeling like a slave to parenting, right? I'd also love to illuminate that the three topics you brought up are the biggest issues we have in our world. Like even let's just say the communication part. Biggest issues in relationships, biggest issues in work environments, biggest issues in politics, biggest issues like I help people with market. I help women business owners with marketing, how they're communicating with future clients is a huge issue. You know what I mean? Like it's the biggest issue. Right. And then we have the quality time thing. What are people feeling so isolated and so lonely? It's our biggest issue. They're all big. Right. And then and then the observation learning how to observe others and observe behavior and observe time. Like, I'm just like, Oh my God, like scratching my head, you know, just like, look how this, we can change the world. (laughs) This will translate. Like you said to the future stuff, this will have global impact. If anyone's listening to this going, well, this all sounds great. You know, like, how do I do this? Or, you know, that kind of energy. Um, it's like, this will have profound effects. All these tools we're hearing about unconscious parenting umbrella. I send them to my husband all the time. You know what I mean? You see these things on Instagram. I send it to him. Share, share, share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not waiting until she's six for us to receive this message. Let's, let's look at this now. Let's understand this behavior now. 100%. And the other thing that I wanted to mention too, like Aisha, you said, you know, when our, the babies are so, so tiny, we can feel silly talking to them as if they can hear and understand. But they do. Words are just words. But when we speak, that's energy that's coming out of our bodies that, that they are actually picking up and receiving. And I couldn't agree with you more. I definitely did this with Charlie the whole kind of announcing before we did anything, before I picked him up, before change a diaper, talking through a diaper change, talking through a baby massage, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I I wish that I did that more with Eddie. I'm doing it more with him, even though he's five, I'm realizing how powerful that is at every age. I mean, we could apply this to our relationships with anybody, right? Just actually saying, I think we're so used to living in our heads you know, and, and just not really thinking about how powerful that communication is and how speaking those words and how, again, that those words are energy and they're picking up. And it's really cool because now Charlie's at that age. I don't know, Jamie, if Goldie's doing this yet, but it's, it's all, 
you know, shaking the head for yes and nodding for no. So he's actually telling me now, yes or no. And he, he, he's getting it. So, you know, I'll be holding him. Oh, do you want to, do you want to go down? He'll squeeze me tightly, shake his head. No. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, do you want, you know, I'll point to a food. No, you know, no, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it happens I think so gradually that it's just never too early to start that communication and for them to just know and understand what's happening. And it helps them learn, I think, and make connections in their world too. Just very, very powerful. And I think the other thing that you brought up is the, that rushing factor, right? Factor, right? And the, the fact that there, you know, there is no rush, right? And I want to tie it back to something that we haven't talked about in this conversation, Aisha, but we have in another boundaries, right? And, you know, uh, and if anybody listening, she has a great masterclass. It's actually in my free conscious parenting group. It's a private group, but it's free. So if anybody listening wants to link to that, or I'll put it in the show notes even better because she gave a wonderful presentation in there, as I'm sure you have in other places. But what one thing that I that I loved about that conversation that I've been applying and I think again ties into that is the fact that there are some things that are going to be important for us to have boundaries for and around, but there are things that aren't. So let's look at what is stressing us out about any of this, and is that necessary? Right? Do we need to to get through the bath that quick? Mm. Do we need to rush through the meal that fast? Do we need to? whatever the thing is, right? Can we sit and enjoy it? Can we, you know, have that time and spend that time and really make the most of it so that when it is time (laughs) to be more succinct from an, you know, a a time perspective, right? You know, then, you know, then we can kind of, you know, call on some of these other tools and stuff, but we don't need to be stressed out all the time about all this. I know that was a little unrelated, but I know for me, that was just like a really big connection. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree. And and I, but I also want to acknowledge that it is hard, you know, we, there is so much pressure on parents and, and it's hard to just some days, you know, just be all calm and relaxed. And there are definitely stressful moments, but I think like what you just said, Alyssa, is like we can reduce them. We can choose. There are certain things that we can choose not to be stressed about or we choose like that we don't have to be stressed about those things and and I think that's also something that children really teach us because they're they're just like what <laughs> why is why does this you know why does this matter why, why they have this? no idea no timeline and I remember I, yeah Eddie's reflected back that back to me many times and every time he does I feel a pang in my heart of like oh I'm, I'm traumatizing it with my rushing around all the time. You know, he'll say like, why are grownups always rushing? Like, why are grownups always in a rush? Why do you always have to be like, oh, why Eddie? Like, why you wise, wise man? Like, why? <laughs> also, yeah. uh, I speak to like, where uh, the pressure that we're talking about also comes from such the external force of pressure that we have, you know, we're in America having this conversation, me and Alyssa, I believe you're in the UK, right? Somewhere. I'm in the Czech Republic, but okay. <laughs> I'm so from the UK. even probably the difference between the Czech Republic and the UK is probably different lifestyle wise, like maybe in the Czech, I don't know, uh, like if they're a bit more laid back and casual where the UK is still pretty much like go, go, go right with America, like where this is our, unfortunately, 
this is the huge squeeze that a lot of people are in. You know what I mean? So even like just to give light to people in this call hearing, like this sounds great ladies, but (laughs) I work till six and then we pick up the kids and then we get two hours with them and they're going down. Right. So I understand. And I think people like what I do, what you'd both do is we're trying to create some space here with that. We're trying to create, getting creative with ideas. And also I want to remind everyone if you do have the privilege of choice when looking for jobs and who you want to work with and how you want to spend time with your kids and saying yes to boundaries, right? saying yes to the family things that maybe you don't want to do anymore or the meetups and the hangouts and the, the stuff that does give us stress and pressure. Uh, you know, all these obligations, all these, oh, well, every weekend there's a birthday party. Start saying no to the birthday parties then if it's creating pressure. So I know that's a whole nother can of worms, but do you have any advice for people who are like, I love this. This sounds great, but I don't have time. Well, I think that's, again, one of the amazing things about these um, philosophies is that it shouldn't be adding extra things for you to do as a parent. It actually is taking away things <laughs> almost, I don't know, yeah. like in, uh, but, you know, instead of thinking like, oh, I need to, you know, what, what am I going to do with my baby today and finding things to do and ways to entertain and, resources to buy and like more material things again instead of doing that and this is right this is Montessori you know sit back sit back and enjoy the moment with your child and I think it's not easy and I think it, it it's something that as adults we need to work on because like you've just said Damien like we've talked about before we're just always in this like go 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 mode that actually sitting and doing nothing feels and in Magda Gabriel talks about it it feels you know parents feel like oh my gosh I'm being neglectful I'm like not doing anything with my baby but actually by not doing anything sort of physically like as in like entertaining etc you're doing so much for them because you're allowing them to discover themselves you're allowing them to find that motor development you're allowing them to learn how to move their bodies you're allowing them just like to develop at their own pace and and build that connection with you You know you're near you don't have to be waving a rattle in their face you can sit next to them and watch them roll over and grab the rattle and it's just it's something that your baby has done You know, it's such a huge accomplishment for them to be able to move their body when they're learning to do that, to reach out, to grab a toy that they want. And by kind of just always like almost stuffing things in front of them, we're depriving them of that sense of accomplishment, sense of kind of, wow, I can actually do something. And, you know, so so many grownups kind of you know that everyone talks about resilience how we need to build resilience in kids and I remember like I've worked in schools for over a decade and everyone always keeps going on about resilience like how we have to teach resilience and it's like children have that babies have that we just kind of need to not interrupt their Mm -hmm. development 
mm. um, and allow them to do that. And that's another <laughs> kind of point um, that, you know, Rai and Magda Gerber and Maria Montessori talk about, like giving them time for uninterrupted play. And this doesn't mean independent play because this is what I kind of, I feel like where I got confused, I was like, oh, I'm just going to give my baby some independent play and I can just woo, go and do my own things. And then I was disappointed when that wasn't happening. But when I looked at it as like, it's also quality time that we're spending together. It's her un uninterrupted play. And I'm still there. I'm near, I'm watching, I'm observing, I'm learning from her. And, and yeah, and exactly, you know, when you, when you actually allow them to do something that, that kind of motivation, you know, intrinsic motivation to, to learn, to persevere, you know, when a ball rolls away and I've got videos of my twins, you know, they'll, they'll kind of tap the ball where they meant to grab it, they tap it and it rolls away. And our instinct is to just like, go and grab it and grab it and give it back to them. Mm -hmm. But if you can kind of stop yourself from doing that, you will see how dedicated and motivated and like, uh, like uh, strong they are that they want to do something and then they you know they do it they crawl over or roll over or like any way they you know any babies sometimes move in like really funny ways you know whatever it is they'll get themselves over and they'll get it for you know they'll get the object that they want and that sense of just like I can do this that you know again it's never too early for it they can start as soon as they start moving their bodies they can do things <laughs> and allowing them to experience that as well so yeah just um so Mag Magda Gerber has a has a quote about do less observe more and enjoy most so this is something that also you know Maria Montessori definitely talks a lot about sitting back and just allowing allowing them to do the things that they need to do and uninterrupted play is so important for building concentration and you know obviously with an older baby or with a toddler when they're playing with a toy sometimes it's it's easy to to notice that oh, you, oh they're playing so I won't interrupt their concentration with a really young baby it might just be that their head is turned and they're looking at something a shadow on the wall or they heard something so giving them that time and that kind of respect to you know you you maybe wanted to wipe their bottom and put a new nappy on but you've just noticed that you know your baby is like really intently looking at something that's your baby playing that's them concentrating that's their their brain just kind of you know absorbing so give them those few seconds you know if it's probably not going to be hours right it's, it'll be like 20 seconds 30 seconds if you're worried about pee on the mat just put a towel on them for you know for for that moment but allowing them to have those experiences where where we're not constantly interrupting because I think that's another part you know there's so many children and young adults with like you know their attention is like very very you know, they're, they're they, they're, it's a challenge, right, to get children to kind of stay and do something. And, and we want them to concentrate, we want them to kind of focus. But from very, very early on, we don't respect that. And we like interrupt them all the time and break that focus. And so this is, again, it, it, everything ties in, you know, like if you want to do, if you want to pick your baby up, if you want to change their diaper or put their clothes on, you know, communicate observe see what they're doing see if they're ready give them that time 
and and that all you know it's all connected like we're building that concentration we're building that trust we're building respectful relationships um uh, and then obviously yeah when they are older and they're starting to move about a little bit they're starting to grab things objects play objects again things that are really simple and just the beauty is just in the simplicity you know they they need um again Magda Gerber you know um passive toys make active learners so a toy that does nothing it means that the baby or the child is going to have to do something to it right so so they're engaging their creativity they're engaging their cognitive development they're engaging you know their muscles their bodies everything whilst if it's just something that they hold and the toy does everything you know bleeps and squeaks and lights up and whatever then the baby does nothing, then the baby is passive. They're not, you know, they're not engaging in it. They're just watching it. So trying to find resources that are simple, you know, that just don't, don't do that resources that don't do anything or play objects or toys that don't do anything are best because then the baby has, or the child has the chance, you know, they, they're doing the work, they're doing all the learning. So, um, and, and giving them those opportunities for, for not interrupting and I think I don't know I'm, I know that it's not everybody's kind of cup of tea but observing young children and babies just brings so much joy because you're seeing this human you know developing and growing and I think just kind of trying to love that and, and I know again you know everybody's different and for example my boyfriend Mark like you know it's it's not something that he was ever used to doing you know I kind of was working with young children so I already had like a little bit of well I, ha I had a lot of love for, for that but you know again but he so maybe he would not give as much time but he would still do a little bit right it doesn't have to be everything and not everyone has to do everything but just whatever you've got whatever you can and even if you do like one mindful thing, you know, even if you do like one slow diaper change a day, even if you do, um, you know, even if you like spend 10 or 15 minutes just, you know, letting them play freely on the floor on a mat without being restricted physically, it's fine, you know, do what you can. And, and I think that's it, you know, you, you can't, we, the lives that we live now you know we can't possibly fit everything in so just try you know try to do something <laughs> and I think mm. uh, it comes with such a huge mindset shift as well when you start doing small 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 things they'll become more natural it'll just be in your mind and you'll find the time because it, <laughs> it's just about sort of yeah, I'm trying to think of like a very exact example, but no, I think that's so perfect. And what you're saying too, I'm thinking is kind of tying back to a conversation that I had with my midwife a couple months ago, and she brought up a really great point. And I think we might've talked about this, Jamie, a little bit when we talked to Chelsea, when we did our relationships or our relationship episode, where we talked about that big shift from being partners right, to being co-parents and, you know, how, how different that is. And what my midwife had said was something along the lines, basically, of it's, it's our job. If So let's say, you know, as the mother, I'm the one that's home with the, with the child, right? And then 
my partner's gone working all day or whatever, coming home and I'm expecting, right? Like him to bond with the baby the way that I did, or how come he doesn't know how to put him to bed right or do this right or do that right or whatever. What my midwife had said was, you know, we are the ones who share the DNA, right? In this way, like we are, we're just, we are, well, obviously they share the DNA with their, you know, their father as well, but, but we're the ones who are so genetically tied to them because we carry them for so long. And we possibly are the ones that are also, at least it was in my case, home with them more, right. And paying attention. So if we are there, we're observing and we want our partners to be just as involved, right. In this experience and have all this, you know, we, we need to communicate, I think what we're observing and what we're picking up and what's happening with our partners, to bring them in more, right? To, to be in the same conversation, to be on the same page with these things. And I just think it's it can help prevent so many arguments, so many, you know, so much conflict um, between, I know for me, I feel like I'm always like the moderator between Bill and, and mostly Eddie because Eddie is such a strong personality. You know, I'm always like the referee sometimes, you know, in there. And, but, but, you know, since learning all this and doing a little bit more of all of this, I'm, you know, I'm noticing these things about Eddie and I'm not putting the expectation on Bill to also be noticing these things about Eddie that I'm picking up. And instead I'm observing, I'm noticing, and then I'm relaying that information, you know, and saying, oh, wow, I noticed this. And through doing that, I notice Bill will react differently, respond differently in a situation. I hear him literally using my words which is great. You know, he's, he's, he's getting it and he's trying it and he's, you know, and whatever. So I think in, you know, for, I I know where most of our listeners are mothers. So for, for the moms that are listening to this, I think, you know, using all this information, not only for ourselves, but also really communicating what we're learning through this with our partners can help. So I guess coming back, right, Jamie, to communication, it all comes back to that, that same foundation. Like it's really, really huge. So, wow. So much great information. Yeah. It's so important to communicate and, and model as well. You know, I think as it was a similar situation, you know, I I was the one at home and I was the one reading books and I was the one kind of learning all this stuff, but not expecting my partner to have to do all of that but having those conversations and you know some some days we'd both be there staring at our screaming baby and being like ah what do we do but then other days you know I would again like you said just relay something that I noticed or relay something that I learned um and and I think same as with our children kind of like inviting them to be a part of it but also remembering that, again, they're a separate person and a different person and they're going to do things differently and that's okay. And, you know, our children, they'll, they all need to learn that there's different relationships that you have with different people. And, and I think, you know, if you, if you are roughly on the same page, um, it's, it's great. And, but you don't have to be identical. (laughs) And then if there are some things that, you know, you maybe feel that, oh, I don't want this to be the way that we are, that we parent, it's a conversation that you have to have with your co-parent because 
it's important it's important for your child and and it doesn't need to be like a an attack it just can be I noticed that you know you said this or I noticed that you get really frustrated when our child does this you know can I help (laughs) how can I help let's talk about it so yeah having open communication (laughs) such a it translates into adulthood and so I know I keep bringing this up but I'm like I don't know this is I'm in the coaching world and I just see this behavior in adults and this is a perfect solution of how we can go to the root source of these things and clear up but what I I love to see this new consciousness wave that's been hitting the planet with you're even seeing this in the healing world in the coaching world the idea of the individual is really finally coming through that we are all unique and maybe that tool or that isn't going to work for that baby, that adult, you know, and people are starting to wake up to this and realize this when they're choosing programs or choosing who they want to work with. And you know what I mean? Like, um, are the people that you're working with, are they trying to put you into this model or trying to like, have you learned this tool that works for them? And it's like, tools have, um, limitations too. You know what I mean? And so we're really like exploring past those fences and pass those boundaries. And this is how it's happening in, in early ages. It's brilliant, you know, in that nuclear home. And I hate that it's called that, you know, but like, it's just us and it's this microcosm, but it really does translate to the macro. So true. So, so true. Oh my God. It's insane. And again, like here we are with this incredible opportunity to relearn these things. Here mm-hmm. we are, right, with this like here it is on the silver platter, like your opportunity to grow and develop as an adult to recognize where you didn't have these things as a child, right? And you know, and help to relearn, right, and reparent yourself and 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 pass that along to your children instead of passing along the old ways that cause you to kind of condition right into, into some of the, you know, issues maybe that might be coming up in your life. I think it's, it's incredible, incredible. And I agree. And I think Jamie, we talked about that too, a little bit with our conversation with Melissa, right. Just in terms of the individual, right. It's about the individual, but it's also about the bigger group. And I think that these, these things are so helpful we even like, I'm finding myself even bringing it to like other, um, other parents, right? Like when I'm just like playing with friends and their kids and this and that, like, you know, I feel like I can even interact with other people's children in a different way and respect them in a different way. Right. Then, then just, I don't know, like, I remember, I'll never forget, um, my husband's old boss at the time, I think it was when maybe it was before Eddie was born. I think it was before he was born. We were talking, they were talking about kids or something. And, and this guy said, you know, kids aren't stupid. They just lack the ability to communicate. They can't speak, but they're so smart, right? Like Aisha, I love that analogy of the lampshade and they're just literally taking it all in. They're focusing on everything all at the same time. So it's a lot. I think these things are very powerful. And again, like anybody listening again, thinking like, oh, wow, this is a really big stretch from where I am right now as a parent to where I want to be. Just know that's okay. Knowing that 
just acknowledging and observing that behavior is going to give you an opportunity to find where in your life you need to make some adjustments or you have the opportunity to make some adjustments. And I think one of the biggest indicators that we can look at is our anger and our frustration. When we start to feel that anger, when we start to feel frustrated by a situation, those are the opportunities that we need to like, you know, time out, hit the pause button and be like, okay, like, what am I feeling right now? Like, obviously I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm feeling really rushed. I'm frustrated that this isn't going the way that I expected it to, right? How often has that happened? (laughs) in parenthood, like, excuse me, how many times a day has that happened? Day. Just Every day. <laughs> exactly. Where it doesn't go as planned. So, you know, giving ourselves that grace and, and remembering that everybody's learning here, they're learning, we're learning, right. And, you know, taking some of that pressure off. So, so many great insights in this conversation. Thank you so I wanna, much. I want to piggyback off that just in the last, the last thing I want to say is like, Oh, that's Goldie screaming down the hallway. If you can hear, um, is this like, again, how is this going to help the future? You know, as I consider myself a new earth engineer and the space that we're talking about and what you were saying earlier about the uninterrupted play, the passive toys, uh, independent play, all of these things, that space that we allow them to make connections at is where, Can you hear her screaming? Okay. Yeah. She's like, she's a screamer. Um, Is where creativity, imagination, and problem solving happens. Those are our biggest issues on the planet. Like the top 13 jobs needed across the planet are engineer jobs, not coaching and healing, even though I swear that's up there too. You know what I mean? But it is engineer jobs and we're not going to problem solve. I think we're not going to problem solve when we have them moving from one activity to another and there's no space for this. And then there are 15 minutes to eat. And then, you know, like at school, let's say, you know what I mean? It's like, we need the space for every age to be problem solving, to be creative, to use their imagination, to activate parts of their brain that they're not, I'm not dissing school or anyone, but you can see in the school, in these school systems that are making these changes and they are creating more space. You know what I mean? And even like play preschool and you see, oh, they're allowed to play. And then all of a sudden it hits a grade and then there's no play left. And you're like, wait, where did, where'd that go? So these are just conversations that we are having honestly in our homes right now across the world. And I think it's important to bring like, this is where it could start. Let that space happen when they're rolling around on the ground. And, and I also want to throw in there, we can buy all these toys. What do they want? The Tupperware, the wooden spoon still, you know, it's that wives tale adage. It's like, (laughs) they don't want your fancy blinking toys. They want to play with the freaking plastic bucket. I've got um, two amazing quotes about that. One is Magda Gerber. And she says, be careful what you teach. It might interrupt it and might interrupt what they are learning. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually the so these two quotes, I had them in like huge writing in at the entrance of my classroom. <laughs> I was in a nursery classroom before I had kids. And the second one is Piaget. Um, and he says, I can't remember exactly, but basically, if you show a child how to do something or if you do something for a child, 
you forever take away the opportunity for them to discover and learn it for themselves. <laughs> and they're just so beautiful. I love those two things. That is so good. And actually, I think it was as Jamie was talking too, I was reminded of something that you've taught me before, Aisha, about basically when there's a problem, I think it was in the boundaries class, you talked about how do you, how can you help them figure out what the solution is instead of solving everything for them. And it's funny because I'm thinking, you know, there was, Eddie's been really into cooking. Like we've been, you know, he's been really into like helping cook. He loves to chop. My mom even got him these gloves where like he can't cut himself. They're like, I don't know what they're made out of, but yeah, they're awesome. And he loves it. And Bill was cooking dinner one night and Eddie wanted to help. Oh, I really want to help. I want to do this. I want to do that. And Bill's like, getting so frustrated, like, oh, this is going to be so much quicker if I could just like do it myself and this and that. And I said to him, I'm like, who cares? Who cares how long it takes? Like, this is, he's learning. Like, this isn't about efficiency and him helping you to make it go faster. (laughs) This is a huge learning experience, right? And, you know, and, and even just shifting that perspective was really helpful for him to be like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, like we just really quickly forget, I think that like, this is actually about raising our children in a way that makes them a a productive member of society, but not in the sense of like fitting into a box. This is what you have to do to, to be contributor to society, but rather, like you said, Jamie, how to solve problems, how to, you know, build these skills. And it's super cute. Anytime they do something at preschool, Eddie's like, showing he was they were doing something cooking I think they were making some kind of soup or something at school and he was showing them how to like use the knife to slide it from the cutting board into the pot and the teachers were just like you can tell that he does this stuff at home like you can tell that he you know so yeah it's it's just it can be so much fun when we allow ourselves to have fun with it and again, when we can take ourselves out of it a little bit and remember that it's not just about us and, and they are so capable, they're so much more capable than we give them credit for. And by the way, last night, Charlie broke one of my wooden spoons because that's what he was playing with while I was cooking dinner on the floor with the pot and pan. That child, more so even than Eddie, I think it's because we have like a playroom downstairs and then upstairs is like our living area. So it's where like the living room, the dining room, the kitchen is. So we don't really spend a lot of time in the playroom because we're always upstairs doing stuff. So there's no toys up there. So Charlie has made the living room is his toy, you know, and and it's so true. And I actually, it's still on my list to literally take 75% of the stuff in that playroom and just donate it or put half of it in the garbage or whatever, because it's true. I really do feel like these things are, you know, just more distractions, right. To what's, what's really important. I just want to quickly, um, you mentioned the words like capable, and that's one of the like really, really core principles again of right is that really seeing babies and children as capable, they are so capable and giving them that trust and allow yeah allowing them to to do to do the things that they need to do you know they they just know they know when they need to learn how to roll they know when they need to learn when to sit they know how when they need to learn how to walk and they just do it all in their own time providing you know the healthy babies but yeah but just believing 
and not kind of just sort of like paying lip service to it, but just really believing and seeing how capable they are and the things that, you know, that are related to them, to their life, how they are able to, to do those things. So, yeah, it's just, you just said that and it reminded me how much time have we got? Cause I wanted to just talk about one last thing um, that I again feel is really, really important and it's emotions and, you know, obviously with toddlers who have just very explosive emotions, but babies as well. And Rai, uh, the one of the core principles, again, is accepting all emotions that we don't, you know, we don't need our children to just only ever be happy because that's not real life. That's, you know, adults, again, we're not happy every single time, every single moment of the day. But really accepting that all emotions are human, that all emotions are okay to feel and not trying to stop them, not trying to kind of distract them out of being upset, not trying to to kind of, you know, just gloss over like, oh, you know, it's nothing, you're okay. But even with a small baby, you know, they're their way of communicating is obviously crying and it's very, very difficult because, you know, we're designed to respond to their cries and, and kind of fix whatever the problem is. But instead of just like, and I think this is also a huge misconception of that people have of Ryan or respectful parenting is that, you know, our parents just like leave their babies to cry because crying's okay. And it's not like crying is okay but we don't leave them. We sit with them. Yeah. At the same time, we don't just try and like swoop in with assumptions and, you know, just like swoop them up and pick them up and like, you know, bounce them around and shush them and whatever. But, you know, if, and again, Janet Lansbury says this, you know, babies cry a lot, but rarely it's an emergency. But we're kind of wired to see every or hear and feel every cry as an emergency. And that's the way we respond. But if we can like kind of stop ourselves and pause, and if your baby is crying on the floor, for example, instead of just like picking them up and like, you know, rocking them from side to side or whatever, you get down on the floor next to them, put your hand on their chest or on their belly and be like, what's up? What's going on? You're very upset. And with your calm and gentle presence and your voice, you're like, and obviously, you know, we're not always going to be able to figure out <laughs> why they're upset, but we can comfort them in a calm way rather than, you know, trying to kind of frantically, and I know it's hard, obviously, when it's a newborn baby or first time parent, I think the whole, everything is frantic, <laughs> but instead of trying to like frantically, you know, find what's going on and like fix whatever the problem is, calm, like be that calm presence that they can then feed off and accept their emotions and be like, okay, I can see you're really upset. You know, I, I'm not really sure what's going on. You know, you've just been fed. I literally just changed your diaper. Um, maybe you need a hug, you know, and just kind of trying to like almost talk out loud without, without that kind of, yeah, frantic panic, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But just accepting that crying is how they communicate and listening to their cries and and responding you always respond but in a kind of 
comforting and calming way rather than you know yeah trying to always fix the problem because as they get older you know into the toddler years and they are expressing themselves in many different ways then they start to feel all these different emotions and then we also as parents have got this almost like practice of accepting all of their emotions all of their cries accepting their anger accepting their frustration and then in turn you know they they grow up to be adults in the future who are in tune with their emotions and know how to appropriately express their anger and and not feel kind of you know how many of us adults are just like shut down and feel shameful for feeling any kind of like anger or towards like something or whatever like all these emotions that you know we grew up being told like oh stop crying it's nothing get over it um calm yourself down etc and then when we do feel something we just like lock it in and put it away and don't tell anybody and it just lives in us and you know just <laughs> eats us from the inside whilst with our children we've got again like what Alyssa was saying it's beautiful I love that the opportunity to give this human you know the chance to learn how to feel their emotions and learn how to deal with emotions so that's another big part of it thank you so much for ending on emotions because I think that's probably the number other than maybe communication, right? That's probably the number one thing that we really, really as adults now in this generation and the generations before us, right, need to relearn, right? How to process our emotions, how to understand them, how to acknowledge them, how to come to terms with it, and then how to process it because we definitely don't. I know definitely the beginning with Eddie, before I was really awake to all of this, it was definitely like, Oh, you know, like, don't make a big deal. If he falls, then he won't cry, do this. And he won't, you know, like trying to like just distract, trying to, you know, not cry. Oh, not crying is a badge of honor. Right. Oh, you did this and you didn't even cry. You know, I, you know, I say it now to him all the time, you know, and he cried, it's okay. You know, it's all right to cry. It's all right to be sad about this. Like it's, you know, and just validating those feelings and, you know, oh, you fell to right that that hurt. Not you're okay. You're fine. You're fine. Oh no, look, you're fine. Oh, that didn't really hurt. Right. And that sort of thing. And, you know, not that any parent should feel guilt about it. Like, of course I, you know, once learning all this, I felt guilt about however I behaved in the past, but it's never too late to learn these things. It's never too late to apologize even. Right. Or like, it's never too late to, uh, to do better, right? Or to, I don't know even if better is the word. I don't, you know, I don't mean to judge. I'm not judging in any way, right? But like it's, you know, we can always, I think, start to incorporate some of these concepts, right, into the way that we parent, regardless of how old our, our children are. But it really is a revolution. I mean, it really, really is in such a big way. And I always, when I speak to parents, I always kind of go back to, you know, rather than following a book or, you know, a set of principles or whatever, it's like, what is your ultimate goal? You know, what, what do you want from, from this relationship, from this human that is growing? You know, you, do you want them to grow into an adult who is in tune with their emotions? Do you want to grow into an adult who is respectful of others? Do you want them to grow into an adult who you have an amazing close relationship with you know it's just kind of seeing like not just the baby that's in front of you but also 
the the future relationship that you're going to have with your child for the rest of your life so so having that in mind as well you know if you if your child comes if your toddler comes to you and completely distressed because they bit their banana and now it's broken in half and now they don't want it you know don't dismiss it like comfort them like you know honor their feelings it doesn't matter what it is they're upset about something you're there for them you're supporting them so that then when they are 17 and they come to you with a problem like a shady person trying to get them to do something they're going to come to you and they'll talk to you about it because they know that you're not going to dismiss them and say ah it's all right you're okay get over it you're going to listen you're going to have that conversation and you're going to support them so it's kind of again you know sometimes I feel like oh my god that's so much pressure you know thinking about the future but it is it is the future it's a long game it's a long game right yeah yeah absolutely so Aisha how can you talk about your group and can you talk about yeah. any other any other ways that you're supporting parents right now? How people can keep in touch with so you? So the um, I have a par- a membership for parents, and this is just a community. It's a community that I'm building with the parents that are in it to have these kind of conversations, have this kind of support. You know, we're all learning, and yes, you know, I've read some books and stuff, but. I'm still learning every day and I still make mistakes every day and having people, other parents who are experiencing similar things, who are, you know, trying to be better, you know, than what, or trying to make changes, trying to kind of um, leave some traumas behind and not pass them on to our children, try to raise them differently to what we were raised. It's, it all takes you know it's a lot of effort I think it's it's fair to say that it's not easy you know it's not an easy route but it's so worthwhile and what I just said you know what what is the long-term goal that you have and the people that we want to raise the future generations that we want to raise but having that support in the moment you know when your three-year-old is screaming at you or throwing something or whatever to to have a community of parents who understand what, how, how much work it is to be a conscious, respectful parent, um, a mindful parent, how much internal work it takes to, to parents that get it, that are also on this journey and share our experiences, share our expertise. Um, and in the membership, you know, you have this community I also do one workshop every month. So I'll choose a topic. Sometimes it will be like, for example, this month <laughs> is about siblings. And I chose it because it's something that I am really struggling with. So I've kind of forced myself to read up about it and kind of present it to other parents. And other times it's topics that, you know, come up from conversations if there's something that somebody in the group needs. So we have one workshop every month. And then we also have one parenting circle every month where it's like an open floor, you know, it's like a, a coffee chat with your best mates <laughs> where you come and talk about your kids, talk about things that are going on. And if you have any questions, we can kind of all be there and help each other and support each other if there's any issues or um, or things you want to kind of talk through. So, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a really lovely, lovely group of parents, and I'm really happy to kind of have this <laughs> community and have this space, you know, providing this for parents. Like I said I used to work with children a lot, and because I worked with young children, I always had a lot of conversations with parents every day. So from very early on, I kind of realized that actually, you know, parents. I always was like, oh, I'm, I'm a teacher and I want to help the children. I want to help the children. And I loved it. And I love children, obviously. And I realized actually parents need help too. <laughs> and parents need so much support because. So much. Yeah. <laughs> we're like we're so connected and global, which is amazing, but then also very isolated at times. And especially when you are trying to parent differently and your friends and neighbors and family don't really understand why why are you hugging them you should just send them on send them on to a naughty step or why are you you know you're rewarding bad behavior and, and like why are you hugging your tantruming child or why are you like you know talking to your baby don't be silly etc you know so it can sometimes feel really isolating and it we can question it as like why am you know why are we doing this am I doing the right thing am I doing the wrong thing and I'm right am I ruining my child <laughs> just all that so having that community where you can bounce these questions off each other and get that reassurance that oh from another parent who's just like you who has a child the same age or a similar age and they can be they can just reassure you say yeah, that happened with us as well. And I tried this and this didn't work, but then this did. And then another parent can kind of come in. And so it's just all about building those friendships, you know, I guess. And sorry, I've kind of gone a bit. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love you to join my membership. Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to ask because I'm, I'm not sure, but are you working one-on-one on, one on one with parents? At yes. All? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I also have, if anybody needs extra support, I have one-on-one offers I've got a group coaching program if you would like to be in a more intimate um, uh, group of people and then we meet weekly so it's quite intense but also you get so much from it you know you um, so yeah lots of ways to come and get in touch with me and I, I always I always love hearing from parents you know it's kind of my my passion my love my job um, everything yes <laughs> And I know I love following you on Instagram because you always have such great tips and everything else. We'll put your a link to there. But what's your Instagram handle it's for anybody trusting listening? Children. So at Trusting Children. My website is www.trustingchildren.com. And my email is Aisha, that's A-I-S-H-A, at trustingchildren.com. So yeah, get. Um, I also have a podcast, um, Trusting Children podcast, so you can search for that in any any podcast player. But uh, I'm I'm here. I'm here if anybody needs anything. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm grateful for it. It's been it's been so wonderful connecting with you and learning from you. I, I mean, I must refer to the videos that you've done for me, the lessons that you've taught to. I mean, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of parents. I'm not even exaggerating. I'm like, you know, there's this video you really need to watch that my friend did in my group. She talks about tantrums and it's life-changing. Your profile's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I try to be realistic as well, you know. Yeah, I'm, of course. I'm messy. My house is a mess. My kids are usually naked and covered in mud and my dogs are like barking in the background. So... It's just always, there's always something going on, something noisy and something messy going on. Real so, life. 
yeah real life real yeah life. my real um life. kids shelves you know the shelfies they haven't been touched in months by me or them so there's no expectations just willingness to kind of you know make a change make a change for the better for the better generation <laughs> beautiful 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 Thank you so much for having me on here. And thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you to all of our listeners and we will be back on. Join us for another episode next week. Thank you. See you soon.